Hello, hello, this is Gerald Salenti with uh, Salenti and the Judge. And we have with us again now a, my paisano, my partner in life, Judge Andrew Napolitano, a fine, fine man with a warm heart and soul and a great brain and knowledge about our rights, the Constitution, and what America was built on and how it, the foundation is rotting. And there's no one that knows about this more than Judge Napolitano, so I'm honored to be on with him on this podcast that we do together. You know, Judge, you just put out an um, uh, article about what happened on January 6th, and what did the FBI know? Mm. So what did the FBI know? Well, Gerald, let me say it's, it's a delight to be with you always. But, but these introductions you give me, I have a lot to do to live up to them. <laughs> no, you don't. So my piece, uh, which comes out at midnight, is on January 6th, what did the FBI know? We now know from investigative reporting from the New York Times, not from any revelation by the feds, that the FBI had flipped a member of the Proud Boys and he was recording meetings of the Proud, Bo uh, Proud Boys and telling the FBI what was going on ahead of time. And from those um, uh, emails and texts, which apparently were shared with the reporters for the Times, the Proud Boys, it is clear, had no intention of even going into the Capitol building, much less stopping the governmental function. The same undercover person not an FBI agent, but a bona fide member of the Proud Boys, was also texting the FBI during the, the events that took place on January 6th. The FBI was aware of the violence, was aware of the destruction, was aware that the Proud Boys were not part of the violence and not part of the destruction. A, they did nothing. B, they still advised federal prosecutors to charge the Proud Boys with conspiracy to overthrow the government. Yeah. So we now know that the government had a de facto federal agent on the scene before, during, and after the events of January 6th. And we know that the information he gave to the FBI is profoundly at odds with the federal charges filed by federal prosecutors. We also know that the prosecutors have not told the defendants about the existence or identity of this person, only the New York Times knows it. And of course they promised him and his collaborators anonymity. You know, so, this, this is, it's terrible. I mean, to think that they didn't know what was going on and they weren't there and they couldn't have stopped it from happening is a joke to begin with. And again, you know, you, you look at those videos and they, nobody talks about them much anymore about, I mean, it, 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 they, they open the door and let these people in and there was no violence, you know. Well, it, 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 it's a head scratcher because what, what was the FBI's motivation? Their motivation should always be to preserve, protect and defend the Constitution, which means the constitutional rights of property owners and of demonstrators. The demonstrators had a right to be there. The Congress had, had the right to meet. The FBI protected neither. So the question is, why? Did they want to humiliate Donald Trump? Is this part of a long-standing 
uh, series of events by the deep state, that part of the government that never changes, no matter which party controls Congress or the White House, to uh, humiliate uh, and destroy the legacy of Donald Trump. I don't know what other uh, motivation the FBI would have had here. They knew in advance that there was no plot to uh, in, uh, to disrupt uh, the Congress, and they charged them with a plot anyway. They knew what was going on in real time, and they didn't reveal this to defense counsel. They broke all kinds uh, of regulations imposed upon them. My guess is that the FBI did not even tell federal prosecutors what they, the FBI, knew. Because if the prosecutors went along with this, they would lose their licenses to practice law, and they know that. So we have some bad apples in the FBI who were manipulating what was going on uh, that day. And we have people being prosecuted for crimes that the FBI knows they did not commit. And we have defense counsel wanting to know who is this undercover source and what exactly did he tell the FBI? And why did they prosecute our people notwithstanding what he told them? This is, this is really, this, this is something that, that this information is out and what's going on. And again, you know, as you, you call it, it's the deep state and it's been going on forever, yes. regardless of who's in. Yes. And, and we, the people of the United States, have uh, really no freedoms at all. Well, uh, we they, think that we can change the government every two or four years, depending upon who we vote, vote for. I mean, that's just a myth. We don't have two political parties. We have one political party in this country, the big government party with a Republican wing and a Democratic wing. But the people in law enforcement and the military and the Federal Reserve and the administrative state who never change, no matter which party controls Congress and which party controls the White House, they're the ones that undermine our freedom. They're the ones that were determined to sink Donald Trump from the moment he announced his candidacy in 2015. Now, look, I've had my run-ins with him, and you have, have too. He's far from a saint. But he was the validly, legitimately elected president of the United States, and he had his own government, because the deep state's in the executive branch, of which he is the head. He had his own government, people working for him, trying to undermine him. Well, they began right away with the undermining. I'll never forget the headline news from USA Today the day after the election. And it read something to the effect that, you know, not new president elected, but it was new president, you know, has like, you know, 80 lawsuits or something right. pending. Right. You know, that it was so it was right away. And you talk about the FBI, look at Russiagate and, and, and that whole thing with that and, and how they were behind so much of that kind of thing. With that, who's that FBI guy that and his girlfriend over there? What was that all about? Uh, Peter Peter Strzok, I believe his name is the person you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it's been going on forever, and and I and respectfully disagree with you. Uh, we we don't have two parties or one party running the country. It's a crime syndicate. There you go. There you go. We we don't disagree. I'm just being a little bit more diplomatic in my choice of words, but it's, Salenti... It's a, it's a crime syndicate. Yes. How many more wars do they have to lie us yes. into? Yes. Look how people look up to that Nobel Peace of Crap Prize winner, Barack Obama, folks. You know, he was always so polite, folks. He was always folking us with his BS. I want that guy Qaddafi out of there. 
Oh, yeah. Libya, that used to be the richest country in Africa, where the people had more rights and benefits than anywhere else in Africa. Oh, and by the way, a lot of uh, social benefits more than European countries. That Libya that's now a hellhole, I want that guy Assad out of there. So oh. he, he uh, and Hillary concocted a plan to destroy the Gaddafi government and to use the CIA to do it. Because if they use the military to do it, he'd have reporting requirements under the War Powers Act. But if he uses the CIA to do it, he can deny that it happens. He can spend the money secretly and he doesn't have to report it. And that's what they did. And once they, they caused Gaddafi's government to collapse and him to be assassinated, the country went from the richest to the poorest. Yeah. And it's out of the news. But, and everybody bows down to that arrogant little boy. Oh, how did he get there? Oh, what was it? Again, the crime syndicate. What was it, the Pritzka family? Yeah, out of Chicago. What, what is it, one of the big hotel chains? Yes. Yeah, and yes. then he brings one of the Pritzkas in as the, the head of the Commerce Department and one after another. Right, right. One, that, of them, one of them is now the governor of, uh, of Chicago. Yeah, that bloaty big mouth. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He... he um, uh, along with Governor, uh, former Governor Cuomo of New York and Governor Murphy of New Jersey and uh, Governor, I can't think of her name, uh, in Michigan, were the most severe imposers of mandates. I mean, the, these four or five governors literally wrote their own laws as if they were in the executive branch uh, and had police enforce those laws, which basically locked down a society. Now they've transformed it from lockdown to we will tell you what to put in your arm. Never mind the Supreme Court opinions that say you can reject medication if you're sick. We're telling you you can't reject medication if you're healthy. The, well, the you know, now we got we got this new clown. Those other governors. Yeah, we got this new clown. What's her name? Huckle? Kathy Hochul, who uh, replaced Andrew Cuomo. She's Andrew Cuomo with a smiling face. She doesn't have his rough edges, but her policies are the same. She will tell us what to do. She yeah. will tell us where we can go if we're vaccinated or unvaccinated. I defy her to show me where she has that authority in the Constitution of the state of New York or of the United States of America. Gerald, she doesn't. Oh, no, that doesn't make any difference. None of them do, and they do it anyway. Right. You don't have to show you anything. I'm in charge. You don't have any freedom. You're just a little nothing. Anyway, this is the latest from, well, Huckle, Huckleberry. She was talking to a um, Christian cultural center. We're not through the pandemic. I wished we were, but I prayed a lot to God during this time. And you know what? God didn't answer our prayers. This is a quote, Gerald? Uh, yep, I'm, this is a quote. He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors, the researchers, he made them come up with a vaccine. God did this, you know. Yep. Thank you, God. Thank you. I'm not making this up. You, you know, you and I and everybody out there listening, we're just a bunch of low-life, stupid pieces of jerk. We're nothing. You know who God said? He made the smartest men and women, the scientists, the doctors and the researchers. We're just pieces of crap. Oh, and by the way, 
Nature doesn't count anymore. Nature has nothing to do with God. Natural healing has nothing to do only what science says. This low-life piece of crap, she goes on to say, I need you to be my apostles. Oh, my God. You know, no, not your my God, not oh my God, her God. Right, right. Her right. God. This, this and, is... Oh, and, and, and as she's praying, how come she didn't pray to a God for this thing not to happen? But anyway, here's the best, another great part. Hochul has spoken dismissively regarding those who would seek a religious exemption to the COVID-19 vaccine. Quote, I'm not aware of any, I'm, excuse me, I'm not aware of a sanctioned religious exemption from any organized religion. In fact, they are encouraging the opposite. Everybody from the Pope on down is encouraging people to get vaccinated. This is um, very, very dangerous, Gerald. And I know we laugh at her and we mock her because she sounds so foolish. But when people in government think what they're doing is because it's God's will, they, they will do it without end and, and without stopping. Uh, she becomes a maniac. She becomes a, a fanatic if she really thinks she was sent by God to repress our freedoms. She took an oath to uphold the Constitution of the United States and the laws of the United States. That includes the Declaration of Independence, which manifests that our freedoms are natural to us. They come from within us. They don't come from the government. And she can't take those freedoms away by her mandate. We can only lose our freedoms after due process, a trial at which the government proves fault. There is no fault when you say to the government, stay out of my arm because I own my own body. And the Supreme Court has ruled that I can reject medication when I'm sick. I can certainly reject medication when I'm healthy. Listen, I'm a, a practicing a Roman Catholic. I don't wear it on my sleeve, but for her to claim God wants her to repress our freedoms. God wants the scientists and the, and the medical doctors to tell us how to live is a perversion of the Constitution and the declaration she has sworn to preserve, protect, and defend. Um, she's perverted. That's why it's a perversion, because right. only a perverted person would say this. Right. And, and, you know, by the way, you were talking about, you know, we were talking about the government and who's controlling it, what it's become. You know, George Carlin used to say, it's one big club and you ain't in it. Well, he's right. It, it's, yeah. it, it, that's, a, that's a funny way of saying what you and I have been uh, articulating for the past 15 minutes. It is a club and we're not in it. It's a and big government criminal gang. It's a criminal, it's a crime syndicate. And you were talking about what the FBI should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing on and on, and who's doing what, and, and how the judge, the people, the prosecutors, if they knew. You ready? They could care less. This is from the Wall Street Journal. 131, you ready? Federal 131 judges. federal judges broke the law by hearing cases where they had a financial interest. This is amazing. You, you know that I was a life tenured judge. Yep. And I know the rules that are imposed on judges. You can't grant an adjournment in a case in which you have a, a financial stake in the outcome. You have to recuse yourself, meaning you send the case back to the clerk's office and they send it to another judge. 
When I saw that article, I, I thought, this has got to be a mistake, maybe two or three. No, 131. This is a radical deviation from the standard of ethics imposed on judges who must not only be ethical and honest, they must appear to be ethical and honest. And again, it's one big crime syndicate. It's right. Look what happened with those, the Federal Reserve, with those two clown boys, uh, what is it, Kaplan and, and Rosengren, or whatever their names are. That, oh, that, the the uh, Federal Reserve Bank presidents that were trading uh, stocks that they knew were going to be affected by their own decisions. Yeah. And, and, and they write that the trades were like a dozen for that guy. Kaplan, was it Kaplan? Is that his name? I forget their names. Yeah. And, and they, was, they, were at, they began at a million dollars. A million dollars or more. That's the way they wrote it. Each trade, a million dollars or more. I read this guy's worth like a 270-something million dollars. Wow. Yeah. And again, the Federal Reserve, who brought us that? Oh, you're a Princeton guy. Yes. yes. Yeah, Woodrow the, Wilson. Maybe rotten Wood, hell. Woodrow Wilson, arguably the worst president of the United States after Lincoln. Worse than FDR because FDR would not have had the, the basis for much of what he did had Wilson not preceded him uh, by uh, two generations. Yeah, he brought in the Federal Reserve and then brought us into World War One. Andy gave us Andy gave us the income tax. Andy gave us the administrative yes. state. Andy income prosecuted tax. young men for reciting the Declaration of Independence in public outside of draft offices. Prosecuted them for that. This is the professor of constitutional law who became governor of New Jersey and then president of the United States. Yeah. How low is it? What you know? People ask Judge. You know, again, I'm, we're both heartbroken and we, we, we you know, we, we're doing what we can to fight for freedom, peace and justice. And by the way, you know, going back to that Huckleberry, the, the clown girl over here that's playing governor. Uh, she said you can't get a religious exemption. You can in a lot of places. And as you well know, I began the Universal Church of Freedom, Peace and Justice. And Thank it's you, for Reverend all denominations Selenti. that believe in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Happiness has become a dirty word now, yes. by the way. And, and you the, imagine that a declaration of independence talks about happiness. You will have no happiness. I am in charge. Right. Anyway, right. We, we're going to be, the site's going to be going up in a couple of days, and we're going to be offering religious exemptions. So she has apparently forgotten. This is a question I asked law students. What's the first freedom protected in the Bill of Rights. Every hand goes up and says, freedom of speech, freedom of speech. It's not. It's freedom of religion. That is the first freedom, the one that the framers most feared, the government that they created would interfere with. And Governor Hockle has forgotten that. The awesome. same woman who says God made her governor, God made uh, Fauci what he is, will not respect those who believe in God, who interpret their belief to say, thou shalt not enter my arm against my will. So it's basically her view of religion and her view of God. Everybody else be damned. Uh, this is so heartbreaking. What can we do? People keep asking, well, again, you know, I'm trying, you're trying, and I have these rallies, these, uh, the magazine, well, the rallies, rallies are fabulous. And I'm I know, you've spoken a number of them. Yeah. And um, um, what can we do? We, we can 
passively resist. We can educate people as you and I do when we do these uh, do these podcasts. The, the goal is to reverse the flow of power. Right now, all power flows to Washington. The goal is to reverse that passively. Uh, I think the federal government, maybe not in your lifetime and mine, but but in the foreseeable future, will collapse of its own weight when it can't pay its bills. Heck, it might not be able to pay its bills by, by the end of this month, which is two days from now. Yeah. When they can't pay their bills and people stop lending money to them, they'll collapse. They'll collapse. I don't know what Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi will do for a living, but they won't have control over us anymore. None of them. I mean, they, they never work a day in their lives, these people. Oh, and again, people forget how Pelosi got there. Her daddy, her daddy, right? right. He's the mayor of uh, Baltimore when it was a big city. Right, when it was a lovely city. Yeah. Right. And now, I mean, you know, what do you think about secessionist movements? I strongly support it. When, when, the, when the Congress enacted the Alien and Sedition Acts, Jefferson and Madison secretly wrote the Kentucky and Virginia resolutions, which were adopted by the legislature of Kentucky and of Virginia. And it argued that the framers intended that when the federal government exceeded the authority given to it under the Constitution, the states could correct it by one of two ways. One, nullification. The, the federal thing that they, were, that they were correcting didn't apply in their states. Two, they could peaceably leave. As they peaceably entered, they could peaceably leave. Vermont and Texas have contracts with the federal government so they can, they can leave whenever they want. I wish they would execute those contracts. Well, you know, this is why it's so important to tune in to Salenti and the judge. What you know, Judge Napolitano, and the information knowledge of what America is built upon, what our rights are, how they've been stolen from us, and the facts, the clear facts that are ignored by everyone, you really only get from you. There's no one speaking out with the knowledge that you have about what you're speaking about. Well, and I thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you, and I look forward to many more of these, Gerald. And, you know, and I just want one quick thing on Vermont. I had a dear friend, and when he passed away, my heart broke. His name was Thomas Naylor. Mm. And, and going back to the um, secessionist movement in Vermont, he was a professor emeritus at Duke University, grew up in Mississippi, one of the southern places, a great guy, a bit older than me. And he, he had a very strong secessionist movement going in Vermont back in, the, uh, in 2010, 2011, 12, all that whole time. And it was really getting very lot of uh, very strong forward movement. And then he suddenly passed on. And I wonder if they uh, took him out because he well, some, somebody should pick up the reins of the movement that he, uh, uh, he started because there's nothing the government fears more than a loss of territorial authority and tax income. Those are the two things the government fears the most, even if they think the secessionist movement is going to be successful. They'll they'll be trembling in their boots. Yeah. And what do we do? You mentioned about murderous warmonger. Uh, low-life piece of garbage, scum, crap, Woodward Wilson. He's the one that gave us the federal income tax, right? Yes, yes. So how do we repeal that? How do, what, well, what, if we, what, if we, what if we focused on one issue? Why was the federal income tax put into place? 
the federal income tax was put into place, A, because the feds needed cash, and B, the feds wanted to be able to control individual persons. The Constitution expressly forbade the federal government to tax individual persons. So Wilson first had to get the Constitution amended and then have Congress enact the tax. It would be far easier to have Congress repeal the tax. There you go than it would be to change the uh, Constitution. That's so, a simple majority vote and a president with his head screwed on properly. So we maybe we should have a repeal the tax movement. There you go. That's probably easier than yep. seceding. Yep. <laughs> and people would go for that one. I, I bet everybody oh, well, would, I would go for it. I bet everybody watching and listening to us now, Gerald, would yep. go for that. Repeal the tax movement. Thank you, Judge. Mwah, mwah. Right back at you, my man. Ciao, Bella. Until next See week. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. See you soon.